Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited, so you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you would like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Welcome to another episode of Pizza Punk. Uh, my name is uh, Jeff, and uh, I'm very excited to have uh, James Marandino here with me today. He is a writer, director, producer. Uh, you might uh, most know him from his uh, seminal classic SLC Punk. James, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's it's you're you're in New York as well. It's like like a soup here. It's like thick yeah. soup. Yeah. Where where are you in New York? Uh, okay, so I'm in I'm I'm right above. If you, I'm I'm guessing you're in the city, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm in Westchester. I'm in White Plains. So I'm like I sit right oh, above. Like, uh, White Plains, New Jersey. No, White Plains, New York. Why did I think it's New Jersey? So are you are you north on uh, are you north of the Hudson or are you? So, so uh, White Plains is in Westchester, which sits right above uh, yeah. the Bronx, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you go immediately, you're toward you're no, Yonkers. Uh, I'm right above Yonkers. Yeah. Yonkers is where my Alamo Draft House is. That's where I, I uh, because I sometimes was. we go up there, you know, to Sleepy Hollow and up past that. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was about to reference. I was going to say we literally if you just we're, we're, we're not even five minutes from Sleepy Hollow. If you were yeah. to just go uh, to the Hudson, which is a, an incredibly disappointing place to visit. I, I just, oh, yeah. Really? Well, I mean, me I, I wanted to see I thought it was going to be old timey. I thought it was going to be cobblestone roads and preserved. And it just there's that one ranch with some sheep on it. There's, I guess, the cemetery. And then there's a street where people are, are, you know, playing those, like throwing pennies against the wall and it's dangerous to walk down the street. I mean, like it's, it's pretty much a, it, it was just, it wasn't really a place to visit. I'm, I'm so sorry. That was your experience. I, man, cause this is like the, this is like the sweet, well, not, not this year, but normally this is like the sweet spot to go to sleepy hollow and generally like the graveyard, the sleepy hollow old Dutch cemetery, which is one of the oldest cemeteries in the United States. Yeah. But like, we got there late. So we weren't able to visit those places. Oh man. Oh, See, that's no, where. We were, so, so it's kind of hard. I mean, we ended up walking down, you know, that street, that main road. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 Guys hang out in front of that. Um, oh, the Terrytown music house. No, they, they're hanging out in front of a, a, a laundry mat. And they're throwing huh. pennies against the wall and gambling. Like it's just like <laughs> I don't know where you were, frankly. Yeah, I don't, sure. I mean, it's, well, it's because really, it's there's that diner on the very top of the street, and if you head down toward the the track, the 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 the, 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 the tracks down down yes. that street, it's downhill, and there's like a couple of restaurants, and then there's like some laundry mats. 
I don't know what the hell we were. I mean, it, it, that that is so not that is so not the spot. That's not the place to be, James. There, I, there is definitely. I would at some point if you're ever feeling very festive again, you should definitely. Not well, we just, go up that direction all the time when we go up. So, you know, we we went we actually went less. There's a park up there. What's the name of that park? You know, like a national park. But the, like, yeah, the Rockefeller Preserve or whatever, something like that. Well, there's like a military base, and then there's a park where there's like mountains. And it, it, anyway, there's there's, an, there's another park up there. I forget what it's called. But it's a, res- it's a reserve. I don't know. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a preserve. It's. I mean, you just got to know where to look. There are definitely some good. And they have like a – there's like this tavern place called Horse Feathers, and they have like murals of like old writers on the wall, like, yeah. you know. Hemingway and like uh, how did I miss? That's why I went there and I convinced you know my uh, my 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 fiance and and her sister and everyone to go up, and they're like James and they're all from Paris, so of course none of that's that interesting, Um, right? But I I mean I I wanted then later on I went to there's a town where there's a lot of right near there where there's a lot of thrift stores that was pretty nice. Uh, oh, do you remember the name? Oh, God, I don't remember any of these names, but like, this is this is the beauty of living in Westchester, which is above. Like, if I want to go to the city, if I want to go see a show, if I want to go to some event, yeah. you know, you jam down. You're in the city; it's great. And then it's like, oh, you know what? I actually want to go hiking, or I want to be up in nature. I want to be somewhere else. It's like you just go. That's like, really close like, too. Yeah, that's really. Close. Yeah, it's just not. I I like that. I, I think it's nice, and we have. We, uh, you know, uh, uh, especially because we're right outside of New York City, we have pretty good pizza. Oh, you do? Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I'm, it, I, I have no complaints. For I the mean, most they have like you have New York style pizza. Of course, you do. I mean, it, you, have, yeah. you have to have New York style pizza. I mean, we're in the pizza belt. We're in the pizza belt. I think, which it yeah. goes from. It starts up in Mass, right, and it kind of like stretches yeah. down through oh, to New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. 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 yeah, because I mean, I was born in New Jersey. We had good pizza in New Jersey too. I mean, like this, yeah. Yeah, let me let's let's actually go there. We'll we'll come back to pizza in a few minutes. I want to, you know, I as I said to you off air, I really don't know too much about you. What I know about you is that you made one of my favorite films growing up, and just a, a film, an iconic film that you know I I always revisit. You know, every couple of years. Actually, this was the longest. I recently rewatched it. This has been the longest time since I had seen it. Um, and it was kind of the, you know, I'm a filmmaker myself and I've never watched it as a filmmaker. So it kind of, it was kind of like seeing it for the first time again and it kind of blew me away. And, uh, but I don't know much about you, man. So I, I, what, so take me back. So you, you grew, you're born in New Jersey yeah and then you found yourself in Salt Lake city. Yeah. We, I was born in New Jersey and, uh, then when we were seven, my, my father's a doctor and, um, he had visited Salt Lake. He liked the skiing and he, some stuff was going on in, in New York and New Jersey that I'm not going to get into. But so he, um, we moved to Utah because I, and he, he got a, he, he got a, he started a practice in one of the hospitals there. And then he opened a, a clinic in one of the ski resorts. So, you know, to take yeah. the, 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 you know, injuries right off the hill and straight into his, into his hospital. So, so that was the motivation to go there. It's good. That's a good. That's a good hook. I mean, yeah. you don't want you don't want bad things to happen, to people. But I mean, listen, we we need doctors. Well, yeah, I mean, like yeah. sports injuries coming off of you know. <laughs> I mean, they had no place else to go except his his. Yeah. He monopolized, you know, um, broken la- legs and stuff. He's a sports medicine doctor, so wow. um, so that's why we were there. And and so and I from from seven to to eighteen, I was in Salt Lake City. 
Do you have um, siblings? Yes. I have a, a younger sister, a younger brother, and older brother. Nice. All right. So the whole family picks up, go and out there. Sister. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that, uh, yeah, we all, we all went there together. Um, and uh, I mean, I, did, I had never heard of Mormons. Uh, <laughs> my father was explaining that we were going to stay with a Mormon family when we first got there for a week until our house was ready. I had no idea what that meant. Um, we got there and all I heard was something about no carbon, you know, carbonated water and say fudge. And I don't, I mean, I, you know, I was seven years old, so I, I didn't understand much of what I think the that I found out they were sort of slightly a polygamous family. I don't, I don't know. No, like, you know I don't. And is that, um, and if this is inappropriate, we, we can skip over it, but I'm just curious, is that knowing virtually nothing? I'm, I'm a, I'm a New York Jew. I, I know nothing about this stuff is um i've I, you know i mean i watched i watched big love you know big love is like is yeah. like uh you know i mean it, the, these are modern day polemic polygamists sort of like living like on the down low is that more prevalent out there or at least even when you were growing up was that more prevalent than i mean I, I'm, I'm i look i mean i i know that when i was younger i met polygamous families i, I just you know it was so hidden mm. that, now, when I reflect back, I, I was like, oh, they must have been polygamous. But right, you you know, put there, were, there are some big polygamous issues going on because Mormons rejected completely now. I mean, it's it's a, it's like hardcore. But right. there was I mean, my father's my, my best friend in high school, his one of my friends in high school, his his dad was eating at a place called the High Low Inn. No, the Shiloh Inn. We, we nicknamed the High Low Inn. The Shiloh Inn, which is downtown Salt Lake City. And he as he was eating, there were bodies falling suddenly, you know, out in front of his window of the, the diner, he was eating at a diner in, in the Shiloh Inn and their bodies dropping and hitting the ground. And what was happening was um, a polygamous woman was throwing her kids out the window and then she jumped. And I think the young, the, the baby and the oldest daughter lived. And then this is all because her husband, who was a polygamist, had committed suicide and the sister wives had turned state's evidence. So this stuff was around us. I mean, Salt Lake is, a, yeah. my memory, pretty dark a lot of dark things like that happened in Solid. Well, let me ask you this. So because religion you know, that kind of fanaticism can create a lot of darkness. Oh, that's why oh yeah. We have listen, it you know, fanaticism, I think that comes with and I, the one thing I did read about you in when I was setting this up, I went to your IMDB that you did study theology. So you do like, you know, you have studied when you say when you studied theology, you studied like all religions or some religions? Well, or? What I, we studied, I studied the philosophy of religion, which was part of philosophy, the extension of philosophy, which was more of a, the esoteric exploration of the meaning of God. I mean, whether we're still, like, we would study Ansem or Espinoza or yeah, uh, Aquinas, we were study, I would study sort of those, those, um, you know, taking away like the actual dogma of any particular religion and sort of right. trying to prove the existence of God without faith. So that, that was sort of the main focus of what we were studying. So it's sort of, it's, but it's, you know, theology is fun because you don't need facts. So it's sort of mental gymnastics. It's all right. like, it's all vernacular, like um, an, ontolo an ontological argument for the existence of God is a sort of, you know, a sort of a, there's, you don't need evidence to, to, to make these statements. Right. You just need to have faith as long as you have no, faith. No, no, not even faith. It's just, it's all logic. It's all like wordplay, in my opinion. I mean, like, gotcha. The argument for the existence of God is that no, nothing greater necessarily, nothing 
greater God equals that that which nothing greater can be conceived necessarily exists. That which statement is like what Homer says. What's that? Did you ever hear? Did you ever watch The Simpsons when Homer Simpson says, uh, he says, uh, could God heat a burrito so hot that he himself could not eat it? Yeah, but that's okay. But that's the, that's the, the that's those kind of semantics that I think is that is the real is is theology. So that's my joke about theology. But they take it very seriously. But right, yes, right. I mean, but I mean, when I was in Catholic school in Utah, I went to Catholic school. At first, yeah. I was going to the public schools, but there were way too Mormon. So we're Wait, you, were, you were in Catholic school. I'm so sorry to cut you off. You were in Catholic school in SLC. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, we uh, any kids that were going to the Mormon schools. I mean, they're public, but they're like touch. They were Mormons. So they yanked us out and all the kids that weren't Mormon. So like all my friends were Protestant, Catholics, Jewish. They're, they're the kids that went to Muslims. They went to the, our Catholic school. That wow. was the safe haven because in the, in the public schools, they would push crazy stuff. I mean, at the time, I don't know if they can still do it now, but in my elementary school, our teacher, before I went to Catholic school, said to the class that, that Catholics worship Satan and 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 they're going to hell because they and, and I my hand went up from New Jersey kid was going what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like, <laughs> you know and I got sent to the principal's office for saying fuck so you know and then my my mother came down she was furious I mean you know I mean th th that's why we all ended up in Catholic school even so public school so Mormons have such an influence did. such a grip on definitely then yes. Okay, then at that time, yeah. Mormons have such a grip that public school essentially is like more a Mormon influenced haven. Well, in my school, certainly, yeah. or yours. Okay, yeah, wow. I mean, I can't speak for all the schools, but I'm pretty sure that all right. the other kids in my Catholic school were all there. I mean, look, it was a Catholic school, so we would have mass, but a lot of my friends were Jewish that were going to that school too. So when we had mass on Friday night, on Friday assembly period, those kids went to temple. They had a, you know, oh. I mean, like they were, that school was trying to protect everyone from, from the Mormons and they all had the same complaint. See, isn't that crazy? Isn't that interesting to think? Yeah. That, it know, had that kind the, of power. The Jews, the Jews or whoever, like, you know, the, the, the non-Christian, you know, uh, faiths were like knew what was up and was like now nah, you gotta go to the catholic school that's the only yeah well i mean there were and yeah exactly i mean that's oh. that yeah even the i, I mean just it, it was a catholic school but we had like protestants were going there as i said jewish people were going the kids were going there muslim yeah. kids are going there i don't yeah. i don't remember meeting any buddhist or hindi kids but you know i'm sure like yeah i mean that's where you go if you want to avoid at that time if you wanted to avoid and you could afford it. But even then, they were giving programs to people who can't afford it. If you just wanted to avoid the sort of Mormon craziness, which was at sometimes to the point to where they were saying, like someone would announce that, somebody in the church would announce that that day the world was going to end. That that keeps happening, that, that in the Mormon right. we keep predicting it. Even right. though they're not seven-day advanced, I don't know why they're, but they, they predicted a lot. And, you know, so the principal would come on, who was a priest, and he would say to the class, make a joke and say, like, you know, even though the, the world is ending, homework is still going to be needed to be turned in by the end of the day. You know, like they, we, they would make jokes about it so the kids wouldn't get scared and go crazy. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, so you're here. So, so you're in you're in SLC. You're with your family and, and we're going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you right now about punk, but we're going to take it to pizza in just a second. This is just like, I just want to know now how, 
when does punk rock come into your life? Because obviously, again, watching this movie, SLC Punk, it, it feels like it feels so personal and autobiographical and yada, 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 semi-autobiographical, whatever you want to call it. Um, when does punk come into your life? Well, I, I there were older kids in my school when I was in fr- a freshman that had, were listening to Circle Jerks. They were all in a band called the New Young Atheists. Um, so, so that's how I, I was introduced to it. Uh, and also not punk, but any music that wasn't rocker music, even though my school favored rocker, like rock music, like, you know, like metal and stuff, whatever. The, the journey. Or what, like I, I was definitely beat up for liking different kinds of music in my school. They mm-hmm. held on harder. And I found that the other schools, the Mormon schools, I call them more the public schools, they had more, they had a bigger scene going on. Like, like I was one yeah. of the few people in my school that were, that was doing new wave punk and all that, you know, sort of neuro, whatever, ska, second wave ska, all that stuff. We were, we were only like five or 10 kids in my school. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other schools, like they had, there was a really big scene, much bigger scene going on than I was even allowed to be. Like I was, I just looked at, up at them and I was sort of in awe of them. They, like uh, older siblings into punk at all, or just my older brother. My older brother is a rocker, but he he appreciated punk. I, he just gotcha. he, he was like part of that. He didn't. He's still there. He plays drums still. Uh, but I mean, it was just it was more like the you know what I would get around to all the other schools because like our school wasn't really accepting me. So I went. Out, the irony is that I started hanging out with the kids from all the other schools. And they had old, there were the older kids that were really hardcore punk kids, like really hardcore. Punk. But more, I'm, I really wasn't that as punk as these guys. I mean, like Steve Egerton was sort of the big guy in our scene. He's, oh, really? he's, he's the in the Descendants. He's one of the great guitar players of all time. Well, Steve Egerton was a guy we all knew, Steve O'Reilly. And I even had to have him read the script because I named Steve O. Steve O. I, because wow, he's I the name Steve-O, and I wanted he needed his permission to use the name, even though it's not about him in any way, because he was in a band called the called the the, the Massacre. Guy. Original descendant. He he came in later, right? Yeah, he was in the he was early in the Massacre guys. It was gotcha. it was a Salt Lake band, and they were we all knew who they were, but they were older. He was like like a few years older than me, and and I, I mean I had met him a couple times. I doubt he remembers me because I was just a little freshman jerk, you know, and he right. was like a college or post-college kid or whatever so there was a scene there was a definite scene that was going on it's just that in slc punk i i romanticized the scene it's like it's not a documentary i just sort of romanticized gotcha. the idea of a small town when i went to write a script about it i, I wanted to, to to make a script for people who didn't know what punk was for older yeah. people for, for boomers i was trying to tell baby boomers look because in, in movies it kept portraying if you because they, they, they weren't allowed to portray the, the archetypes of like who are the bad guys or like gangsters being hispanic or african-american so they they said well the foil would be white guys that are punks you kept seeing them with knives or they were they're the ones who rape women on subways yeah. so i was like whoa, whoa, whoa no no from my experience the punk kids are sort of nerdy funny kids they're not you know they're not criminals so yeah. i thought i'd do a movie saying look this is a whole youth movement and it's just like your hippie movement, but it's on my generation's movement. And I made that movie. I never thought that it would be watched by people younger than me. I always thought that I was just going to own the, the the baby boomers with the movie. And I didn't no. think it would go beyond. I never no. thought it'd go beyond that. It's a. It is a. It is a. It's a multi generational film. I even. But I remember even when it came out, like, and I, I don't think 
I don't think I had gotten into punk rock when I had even watched that movie. And then, you know, it's amazing how like, you know, once you you've experienced punk rock or had some crossing with punk rock and then you watch that movie again and there it's almost like it, it, it's just it's completely different. It just you could you just see it through a completely different prism. But wait, let's let me I'm going to put a pin in that for one second and I'm going to now direct you tell me about so you so you you, you finish you're, you're in slc you, you leave slc you go to italy yeah for, for school yeah and what, what is it like tell me about first of all tell me about the pizza in slc and then tell me what it was like going to italy and experiencing pizza there the pizza in salt lake city i, I was i think it was just a fast food pizza i i, I don't mm. think that we had i don't remember i don't recall any very good pizza place in the eighties in Salt Lake. I, I think it was all sort of Domino's type pizza hut and Domino's. I'm not sure which there's a, yeah, I think it was more pizza hut. I don't, I mean, I don't even know what the brands, what the chains were then I forget because it was just sort of what you got. And it was cardboard. Um, and of course as kids, you like it, but then in Italy, I did expect pizza. And so I went to the, as soon as I got there, I said, well, I've got to get some wine and pizza because I'm 18, but now I can drink legally. So fuck it. I get a, I got a bottle of first day in Italy in when I was going to go to school in an apartment that I was, you know, basically a dorm is my apartment is an apartment. So nice. I brought back a bottle of white wine and I ordered some pepperoni pizza. And when <laughs> I got back with some like a round bread with pep, red, green peppers on it. And that was my pizza. And I was like, oh. Wait, where is this? Is this hard, hard, crunchy bread? No cheese. Oh, what's that called? Pizza. <laughs> so, no, no, no. Doesn't it have another name? I, well, it's, it's a pizza, pizza margarita, but that's got tomatoes on it. It's just pizza. Huh. That's just normal pizza. If you go to a restaurant in Italy and say, I want some pizza, they're going to yeah. say, Well, what do you want on it? And you say, like, Pizza con pepperoni. And they're going to give yeah. you green. It's just, it's just a round crust it's just it's just it's not like what you think you can't get like the, the american pizza is american pizza it's right. not it's not like you know the, italy it's just like bread there's pizza rustica which is really great which is a which is in it's square and it's um it's called old pizza so it, it's it, and you can put like cheese on it or you can put tomato on it or what that's a little closer but that's a little more like deep pan but it's mm. still different pizza rustica thing here, here's the thing. When I think of pizza, like pizza, pizza, I think of New York as being the, 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 the Ethiopian cradle of civilization when it comes to pizza. It is, pizza, though. As we know it, yeah. comes from Italian immigrants coming to New York and making that pizza. That's who created it. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, you're right. I think that's who created it. Because in, in Italy, I mean, it's named, I guess it's named the, the town, but it's, it's not. If you try to go order pizza... Yeah, not, don't expect New York slice. Like that's not you know what I think. You know what I imagine. Like before you even told me what you just told me. When I think of pizza in Italy, like if I was to go, my American imagination makes me think of just pizza napolitano or whatever it's called napolitano. Maybe that's what they call it here. I guess. Um, yeah, it's just like if you, if you go to a fancy a New York place and order pizza, they'll give you the Italian pizza. Hmm. Yeah, you, you know, it's just, it's just that crust. I think they call it pizza margarita. Or pizza. Right. yeah, I mean, they, they, those kinds of pizzas are 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 the ones that are just. It's just like it's a kind of a almost like a cracker. 
<laughs> you know, no gluten in that. No gluten in that dough. I mean, it's it's just not it's not the pizza that you have here, where it's sort of you know where you they they put in that that oven and it comes out and the cheese uh-huh. you know, the dough is you know what I mean and 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 it's just like it's the water's right and it you know it's like it's savory and 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 you know what I mean and and then there's all kinds of toppings you know you, you don't really mix toppings in Italy everything's subtle so they, you don't like do that kind of thing either That's you don't like, yeah I mean like it's just you can they, you would like just get like get pizza rustica is like pizza bianca it's just the yeah. bread with olive oil it's very good. Or you mm. get pizza con marinara, which you didn't get some just tomatoes on it. But you would never. There's no. You don't bake the cheese onto the. That's that's the American way. Baking cheese onto tomato and then put some pepperoni or sausage or whatever. I don't know. Some people like pineapple. I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> I actually listen. You know, I, I, I know it's are, weird. It's, it's like so liking weird. the Stones or liking the the, the, uh, the Beatles. So you know, either you know. Yeah. You can, you can like either or and still not hate the person. <laughs> I, you know, I, listen, listen, p, uh, pineapple and pepperoni pizza is a weird one. But here's the thing about pizza. And this is the theme of the show that I want to ask every guest. So I'm going to ask you a question next. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about pizza is that it's like my my theory, my uh, my thesis, if I was in college still and I was writing a thesis about pizza. About pizza. It would be that pizza is like jazz in the sense of like it's this like improvisational food where you can really as long as you follow a few like rules to like fit the criteria of what is pizza. Yeah, there's a great controversy between Chicago deep dishes. That pizza is that is that like a casserole? What the hell is that? You know, besides like those like certain criteria that pretty much you can do anything with pizza. Yeah, you can put whatever you want on it, I guess. What about calzones? Uh, A cow? No, I I would say that a calzone is delicious. I love calzones, but is that a pizza? Absolutely not. Same ingredients, but okay. A a great example. Here's okay. So now let's let's trans let's translate that to music for a second, James. I'm glad you said that. Is pizza a calzone? Here's here would be my my musical analogy. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a rebuttal question, and I would just simply say, I would say no, no, no. This is just my answer. I would say no, and I would say. That's like saying metal is punk and punk is metal. It's like the same, like both are hard music forms or like, you know, loud, aggressive music, but there are, there are nuances within those ingredients that make them different things, even though they're the same sort of ingredients or similar ingredients. Uh-huh. So that's an interesting analogy. I don't know because yeah. calzone to me is so, those are so limited in, in what they're going to be. Whereas pizza is much broad. I mean, you can do a lot with just pizza. With pizza, right, right. I mean, like calzone. Also, just it's just even thinking about eating it is like is exhausting. Yes, it's it's definitely it's a multi step. I mean, it's a multi session process if you're yeah. not like uh, uh, a gluttonous. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, like with a slice, you get a slice, you fold it, it goes in your mouth, and you eat it, and you you know yeah. it's great. Calzone is a whole like wow that shit's falling apart and you right. like, like there's a whole you know well, it's, and deep dish I know, there's too much bread it's too, there's not too enough much. it's too much bread and not enough you know pizza yeah but it's also what's the there's the upside down pizza where the cheese is on the bottom and the sauce I don't know what's going on with that that's why I'm saying it's it's casserole that's just, 
It's delicious. It's delicious. I'm not saying it's not, but well, that's turn it up. So then, you have to flip it then. To eat it. Yeah, it just. But if you flip it, then you got the you have the the crust is on the top. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. So yeah, you know. Yeah. But but here's my question to you. This is the thesis for the whole show. Is um, in your own words, and whatever you say is valid because it's your opinion. Uh, why is and it again? It's like so. It's it's so subjective. Like whatever you say is going to be the right answer. Why is pizza punk? Pizza. Why is pizza punk? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Uh, I, think, um, I think it's very punk. I mean, is it just because there's a DIY nature to it or a very sort of, is there, is there maybe a grunge element to it? Not grunge. I think grunge. DIY. I think you just answered. I think that's a great answer. It's not something I thought of really. It is a very DIY and that's definitely one of the aesthetics of punk, which actually full, you know, flows right into. It's also a cultural bastardization of hmm. something that was pure. Mm. In a good way, and in the same way that punk is a cultural bastardization of blues music, um, mm -hmm. and and other forms of music. I'm just making this shit up, but it just no, 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 no. You're so valid because think about it. Like this is what you're basically saying. Going back to the Beatles for a minute, all of I said this to Paris last time on the on the first episode of Pizza Punk. Um, in the you have the '50s rock and roll, right? Yeah, all the '50s rock and roll goes to England. All the little England boys listen to the '50s rock and roll. Then they invade America as the Stones and the Beatles. Yeah, they bring the blues band. back, yeah, yeah really right. And back. then, and then, and then it's the same thing with with punk rock in the sense. You, perfect example of SLC punk. There's the whole, you know, Stevo going on well, about right uh, between where punk. it started. Yeah, what the proto punk is here is with 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 the modern right. lovers and Stooges and all that. But right. yeah, then it's Sex Pistols versus Ramones or all that. Nonsense. But it went over, but but the Ramones. What happens is the Ramones, the Ramones play, is a pizza band. That's a classic pizza. Band. I think Ramones. <laughs> yes. I think of Queens Pizza, Ramones Garage. Eating I love that you just said that. And playing guitar and making up tunes that you like, that are poppy, that sound good, yeah. and that you don't think of yourself as punk. You think of yourself as a rock band. That's the Ramones, right? They don't go thinking of themselves. Oh, they were a punk band. They don't. They're not punk. They, they always thought it was rock and roll. They're, they, they're, they're trying to make fun music that people will like, and they're eating pizza right. and they're doing it in their garage and and having a good time and. Right. You know, and and you know, Joey's sort of like is embarrassed to even talk to people, and and it, which I always find is like he was on the Howard Howard Stern show, and when they intercom yes. between them, I don't, I can't well, tell Marky and Joey when when Howard when was that fight, yeah, yeah, oh, it was amazing. But also, I just Howard Stern, and 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 when I was looking at when you do when they do the interview, you can't tell the difference between Joey and and, and Howard. Were very similar. That yeah, Howard was really more cool. outgoing. Yeah, he but anyway. I digress, but I mean, so that's what I, I associate pizza with, with the Ramones, not sex. Yeah. I think sex yeah. pizza, I think like bangers and mash or yep. fish and chips <laughs> and heroin. <laughs> but, um, but, and you know, going back to that thing of, 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 you know, the Ramones came over in, in seven, in 1976 and yeah. they played their first time in England and everybody in the front row was, that was the clash the Sex Pistols, the Damned, yeah. Yeah. they all went and then they formed their bands. It's like 
it's like what you said it's cultural bastardization it's and that's the beautiful thing that's why i hate you know again i think there are some some cases where cultural appropriation is like inappropriate but if we don't have cultural appropriation oh it's sometimes it's get, glorious though that's why i called it bastardization yeah because i mean i think degenerate art is beautiful you know and, and yeah I think it's like, a art. Stuff if people aren't like if people aren't like appropriating Look, okay, if I watch, so somebody, like I've seen these, you, you, it's resurfaced where people are saying uh, Picasso wasn't real art because like anyone can scribble like that, right? Really? They call it degenerative art. Right? That's been showing up again. And they show like a nice picture of a landscape and they're saying, look how much better that is than mm. say Vincent Van Gogh. They're not thinking about sort of impressionism or the, the fusing of that or the work of color or any of that stuff. They just call it degenerate art. It's, it's a Nazi thing, right? But to me, degenerate art is beautiful, and I think punk is the epitome of degenerate art. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of like it's it it, it it's anti anti production, anti sort of aesthetic. It, it, it but it, it but it, it's so it's so um, expressive and expressionistic that and and pizza in a way is also with with regards to like good food is not those things. It's degenerative food for a degenerate. So, you know, so for degenerate for a degenerate uh, people, which are Americans. So all of it works. You know, we are a degenerate people. That's a degenerate food. And, and I say all that lovingly. I'm not saying that these are bad things. Right. Degenerative art was rejected by Hitler. Degenerative art was rejected by the by sort of the fundamental Christians or the fundamental Muslims or the, all the radicals. They reject that. Stuff. I, 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 I embrace that. I like degenerative art. And that's you know why, why I think I why at the beginning because it was sort of a you do it yourself. You, you know why? Because it's truth. Because it comes, yeah, it's it honest heart, and it's just and it's truth. There's no, you know, it's not like you know, in in the sense of like how like you know if you're doing like an a, an, an improvisational scene with actors and stuff, and you know your actor improvs this because they feel it in the moment because that's the truth of the moment. It's yeah, but there's also no ceremony. Yeah, or, or do you know what I'm saying? Like when you. No, I do know what you're saying because you you made a dogma film, right? Yes. Yeah. So doesn't this all play into the idea you did a dogma 95 film? For people who don't know what dogma 95 is, Lars von Trier created this set of rules. He found out his father was not really his father or something. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was something like that. Yeah. And he, he set out to make uh, th this this aesthetic where it was supposed to be completely truthful. There are all these guidelines like you can't tell a period piece because everything has to be real if you're using music yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a vow of chastity that you take that you 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 will right. not put the camera down you will use natural lightings you will not add right. props you will the, the the actors have to own their things everything has real. to take place in the time and place that it's happening the mm -hmm. locations have to occur where they are you can't fake locations it cannot be a genre there cannot be fake you know, there's all these like music has to be generated within this the, the scene it has to be organic to the scene not something that's scored later even the titles had to be drawn and shown. You can't, you know, make title sequences or optical, optical effects. All this is to, meant to sort of somehow find truth within the work. Uh, and so, and then, and it's a rigor. And I, they, they said, well, why don't you come make one? And so I, I made, I made a, a one for that. Yeah. What, what, what made you, uh, they, well, I guess you guess to answer my question as, as to they invited you. I was going to say, what made you seek that out in particular? Cause I got to tell you that. I didn't seek it out. They, they said, I, they, they, so, someone brought to me saying like that Lars saw Punk and he, they, so they flew oh. me to Copenhagen. 
Wow. I, I talked to him. It's also Vinterberg. There's, there's a few guys, but there's a guy named Peter Obek Jensen. But when I met Lars, he said, I said, why do you want, why are you, this is a hard thing to get into. They only like, there's not that many punk, there's not many dogma movies. They're all numbered. Right. We are, we were right. number 13. And right. I, I said like, well, what, why are you, you know, and he said, well, because you're an anarchist. I said, well, not really, but okay. Um, most of these movies are Danish because it all happens in Denmark. And he has this, studio that, that was once a military base so he's riding around on a camouflage golf cart and so and I, he cut, I, and he's like saying i'm saying what do you want what how can i why would you think that i would follow these if if i'm an anarchist then it's my prerogative to break every single rule right that Chaos. you're trying to put on me and he said that's right. exactly why i want you to make a dog that answer. So I said, okay, well then, so I, I made it. I, I made And you didn't break any rules. I, not really. I mean, you know, no, in the end I didn't, but I, I, it wasn't it. But then Peter Albeck Jensen, the producer said, those guys break the rules all the time. He, you oh, know, really? He said, like, the truth is we do this. To, it's a, it's a way to make a lot of money. You, like, you know, you raise a million dollars for the movie, but really it only costs a hundred thousand to make. So right. like, I feel like they were kind of a swindle, which I enjoyed that. You know, like there was sort of like because the movies make a lot of money, but they don't they're very easy to make. I mean, it's just you're taking a video camera and you're they're hard to make in terms of emotionally. But in terms of logistics and and, and costing, I just, you just have a couple actors and you're really not allowed to do much. So you're, I held the camera. I had a few people help me with stuff. And, you know, I mean, like we just. There's not did you, have separate, did you have separate sync sound or did you, was it all in camera? Well, it's all in camera. Oh, you mean like, did I get, Oh no, I mounted did a shotgun mixing and booming for you. No, no, I, op I, they do, but I didn't, I, I figured out a way on my camera to uh, put a Sennheiser mic to mount it on the, on the, on the camera that they sent me. Right. And that was totally adequate. Yeah. If you get some in close, close. actors close enough, you know, yeah, yeah, it was like this. So, I mean, like I was in their face and yeah. I, you know, so, um, That's beautiful, man. Irrelevant <laughs> that I didn't need a mixer. It was going right in the camera. So yeah. that was, right. so I, so it wasn't, but the movie ended up being intense because the experience is intense because you end up, you have no ability to, you have no, I had all the movies, I have all these tricks I use with the camera and stuff and there's, you, you have no tricks you can use. There's no, you have to rely on just, the story you're telling and the performances. There's no, there are no, there's no edifice. There's no, you know what I mean? There's, there's no, like, I can't like, I can't do a dolly shot to create an emotional reaction and put swelling music as the camera lifts up. And you know, there's none of that. It's just down, down there with, it's like, it's like a documentary. Hmm. Um, which, you know, it's uh, now segueing into SLC punk at the thing that I'm, as I said, I'm watching it as, I'm watching it from a filmmaker perspective and there are just all these things that I never noticed before. Like for instance, there's a lot, like a lot of the cuts are fades. Like it fades into like when Steve O's in the mall and he's talking and it's like, it's like a close up and it fades into kind of like a, a wide shot. Uh, I just, I've noticed, I noticed a ton of, of, of fades and it was well, just I like a, to interact. I like to inter, I like to inter, use like hard jump cuts and, and crossfades. Like just as a, yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting, man. I never, I was just like, it really, but it, and you know, the thing about SLC punk that really blows me away, but the thing that blows me away more than anything is really, I guess it would be, I guess, obviously it's the, it's the dialogue and it's the script, but it's also the editing. 
is unfucking real in this movie because if you think about like because I'm sitting here I'm going you know and again in my experience as a filmmaker my limited experience compared to yours I've I've learned that you know you can find the story in the edit yeah as opposed to say you know because you write the story then you shoot the story and then you edit the story and the story changes as you do these three things and I'm watching SLC Punk. I'm going like, obviously, like everything's here, like in the dialogue. It's all on the written page. But then, like, like I wonder how much of this movie was found in the in the edit. And the reason why I say that is because of all the tangents that it just like you literally go on it like it like cuts to this random tangent about this person, and then within that random tangent is another yeah, random. Okay, but I had, but there was a, that the editing is dictated by the. I had a limited amount of. I sh- only shot what I needed, and I only and I used what I shot. Wow! So it was already going to be edited that way. The, so the, you had edited that as you were writing it. I did a storyboard, and I, it was already like very. Wow. So the point is, is that the idea was I was thinking, okay, we were writing scripts on on, on typewriters at one point, hmm. where you know you, and then now suddenly we're writing scripts on computer. And when you write a script on a computer, you can you no longer have to go back in and like do X out a page and add another page right. or rewrite a whole page or white out. You can literally just cut and paste, repaste, do more pastes, you know. And then and then I was, then I was thinking like that's just like the the way that my Windows computer work where I can click on a window and see something else and click on a window and see something within that thing and then close all those windows and come back out. And I thought I could write a whole script that's like that, right? So in that sense. It's like the way that somebody tells a story, like you're like an uncle who's telling a story. He's saying like, when I was 25, I knew yeah. this guy named John. Now John, <laughs> so so you go back to him and a guy named John, right? Right. And they said now now John John's mother was totally insane. She used to beat him. So then you got to cut back and show the woman right John and say okay, but let's bet. so now John and I are walking down the streets. So then you go back to John walking him walking down the street. Now this street though back in 1395. In Europe, so then you cut back to 3095 in Europe. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's how I was thinking stories aren't it's very, it, it is, it is very original. It's so very original. Was, like, I was just thinking that like, not all stories are told, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be linear. That if, right. if I'm telling you an interesting story, my climax might happen somewhere in the middle because I will, as I do with you or as we talk, I often diverge or digress or right. and that movie is a movie of, of digressions. And you know, what's great. There is a moment that there's a moment um, when, when they're talking about Sean and he's running and he's got the acid is working and yada, yada, yada. And you see the cutaway of his muscles as the acid absorbing. But I love that we don't cut back to them, but Steve-O cuts in and he goes, where was this happening? And he goes, Oh, this was at X high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, it's just, it's like the tiniest little detail, but you know what? It really, it's like that sort of thing. Well, that was to remind you that this this is all being narrated. So, and it's not, and it's also not necessarily a reliable narration. Right. I've tried to explain to people that, they're saying like, but I that really happened. You know, this whole thing with the Sean guy happened because there's a guy named Sean that they said I was talking about him. I'm like, no, that was story was told to me, so I told him the way that it was told to me by a guy who's not reliable. So That's that so story great. is told to the audience to Steve-O from Bob. So you have to take Steve's word for it as an audience member, but Steve is only telling you something that Bob told you, who he's already established is totally crazy. So Steve-O is telling a story. 
So Bob is telling a story to Steve who's, who's relaying it to you. And then, and then on top of that, then you go into the whole thing. We go into the whole thing about well, then the mother Sean, and Sean's Satan. flashback. Then Sean has to then. So Bob has to realize that Sean is basically uh, um, uh, right. uh, figured out what what Sean thought happened in his house. So then right. you go back further. That that is the I talked about that before. That that's where I go from Steve-O back to Bob's story, back to Sean's story, back to Sean's storytelling. So that goes back five. That's five windows. Yeah, like that's like but you know, know file amazing? on a file on a file on a file. But here's what's amazing about that. This is what's amazing about that. Now, now you do this whole thing. And again, like, again, I said it, what you did was really original and it is, but you know, we've seen nonlinear storytelling prior to this with, you know, Quentin Tarantino made that incredibly popular. However, what's well, interesting I'll, about I'll, I'll, it, Annie Hall, Woody Allen did it before that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not a new, that's not the, a new concept. However, what, what really makes it, uh, 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 elevated above all else is the fact that not only are you doing this, but now you have the challenge of taking of 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 giving this information to me, the audience, and that I need to follow. I need to follow this, and it has to make sense to me. Yeah, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, I can follow this perfectly. This makes perfect sense to me. It just, it 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 goes off without a hitch, and it's just kind of like, it really that, is something else. But that's the sort of narrator's sort of, he's narrating it, and he's yeah. and, and I figured like the way to walk, as I said, I was making it for baby boomers. I'm going to hold their hands. I'm going to walk them through this. So I'll have this narrator literally shouting at you from the screen saying, look at us. This is who we are. This is what we did. Ha ha. We did this. We did that. We didn't rape anybody. <laughs> we were just kids doing these things. And so, I mean, like Steve-O, Matthew Lillard is literally just looking at the camera and saying, like, right. look at me. Like, here's right. my thing. This is what I did. Oh, and by the way, this happened. Oh, and yeah, and these, this, right. this guy. And There's so no pretense. It's, it's so... You know what it is? It's it's so casual. It's so like it takes uh, it for granted. Yeah, I guess in a way. Yeah, yeah. But that makes it, and, and it makes it. I don't know what that does. It just makes it easy to sort of. And then the other thing too is you're weaving in. You know, there's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, ultimately, I because I was trying to think. I'm like, what is the ultimate theme here that I'm taking out as the audience member this time I'm watching it? And like, you know, I think like the thing that for me was always like, I think it's very like blatant. It's like on the surface. It's not buried in any way. It's just that you know, the sim the symbolism of that you know, punk rock is like. I mean, you have old punkers, obviously, but like that punk rock dies with youth, and that you know, when Bob dies, the punk rock dies for Steve O. Steve O goes to law school and he becomes a poser, you know, or, the, or no, he, he figures out he was always a poser, but I'm watching it this time. And I'm thinking like, I was really, I feel like the, the crux of the movie is not that that's just what happens. The crux of the movie is Steve-O is, is it wants to be an anarchist or wants to prove that, uh, you know, or wa he wants to be an anarchist and he wants to revel in chaos. And the, the crux scene is when Sandy sleeps with the guy and Steve-O submits to his baser nature which in yeah he's in a child he's a total to, total territorial right right uh, which shows that he is a part of the system everything i feel like that is the that is the crux of 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 the entire film the entire film is like trying to 
fight nature. And what is nature? The nature is what the society wants us to go to school, then yeah. go to college, then go get uh, be a lawyer. And and these guys are like, no, we're not going to fucking do that. Fuck that shit. We are different from everybody else. We're not going to do that. And then, um, and then as it turns out, they, they, no matter how much they don't, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, like the way that uh, body horror is terrifying because your body is working against you. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like your base nature is working against you no matter how much you try to fight it. And right. you just are what you are, you know? And he ultimately becomes, he's a lawyer like his dad. He's just, yeah, I mean, it, it, the irony is that he does do that. He goes off to try to do that. But I mean, I don't know that if that was what was on my mind. I, I don't, I think it, when I wrote it, see, because I, 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 I don't, I sometimes I forget when I was writing and I was in my own sort of headspace. So I think what I was trying to do was sort of, expose a certain amount of hypocrisy hmm. in everybody. Like, and also like the education of a young man at a certain point, the young man goes through a certain period where this, the philosophies that got them to a certain point in life. Yeah. No longer function. They no longer. Yeah. Work yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. That's so, totally there too. and that's a whole movement in German writing as well. I forget the name. It's a German, but it's the education of young man. It's not mm -hmm. a coming of age story. It's the education of young man coming of age is when you get laid coming of age story, uh, education of young man is when they're they're it's in somerset mom's the uh, human bondage does it where he he realizes these these philosophies that he had that got him to a certain point will not take him on beyond a certain point but also i was sort of, i the, the message that when he finally admits that he's a poser is when he finally is a punk because he's not trying mm. it you know, you know, I mean, like, like he, he, it feels like he tries a little bit too hard, you know, at a certain point to be a punk. And and in the end, he's like, oh. Bob falls in love with Trish, and he's like, yeah. and even says Bob has started. Bob is so in love, he goes from being angry to being in love, and he goes, yeah. he goes, yeah, everything's really nice, Steve, with the flowers and stuff. And yeah. he's like, you, I'll write you off, yeah, because he's so like you can't be these things, yeah, yeah, because he, he kind of becomes like this weird purist thing, and sort of he lost the meaning of the whole sort of being yourself thing you know and and just yeah. enjoy just do it. like i don't know a punk is a i don't know if you can choose to be a punk it's sort of like you have that attitude you don't and and so i think that at a certain point that he were he just literally I, all my friends who were punks at some point said yeah i'm just a poser you, you know and that's when i you, you know like they're just not taking it themselves that seriously i just feel like it for a while he took himself seriously then there's a whole other layer that everybody that even i think i didn't stress enough because again i wasn't making it for a younger crowd but that there's the class issue the story is about class that mm. the moment that steve-o is he is going along this ride but then at some point bob says you know look this is home and Steve was like, I'm above this. This is not my home. Right. Okay. That's when he gets really mad. Um, and then. Oh, yeah. He gets, and he's so, he, Matthew Lillard is so good in that moment. He gets so, he, it's like what happens is, and I don't even think that Steve O realizes in that moment how much Bob has gotten under his skin. Bob could have said so many other things that would maybe make Steve O mad. But all Bob said was, that I'm realizing that this is home. Everyone's going to have a home because Steve O wants to get out of it. Right. And also, Steve is sort of so okay. So Steve is a rich kid. So uh, yes, yes, he has the uh, he has, and he's I think he's frustrated with himself because he knows he's he 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 doesn't have he doesn't have to live in this shit. In fact, the place they're living is probably being rented by his dad. I, I don't even know. The point is, is that he does not have to be a, a um, 
you know, what, what's the word for street punks? Uh, crust. He doesn't have to be a crust. They don't be crust punk. I mean, he's he's a rich kid. He he admits it that, when they're at the salt flats. He says, "I doesn't he say that?" He says that at one point. He says, "I am a rich kid" or something. He he does admit it. I, I don't. Does he say I'm rich? But he, he is. But he, yeah, he's a rich kid, and he he's um. And so the thing is that in the end, when his finally, when it's really he faces a real situation, right? Like like when it when the story is over, and there's a nihilism of the story, is that Bob had no choice he was always going to have to stay in this place that is his home he's right he's always going to be this guy crust punk his dad's fucking crazy lives in a shack he there's this there's no this is where he is and he he's more or less content with that steve would like bob to maybe elevate but he can't change who bob is his economic status has made him who he is um steve a rich kid and he has options and in fact, it becomes evident that when his friend dies of, a, of, a, of an overdose, which was forced on him by some assholes at a, at a party, right? Steve-O, his first instinct is to go, fuck it, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm taking my dad's right. like money. Not, and yeah. Which none of those other kids would have that opportunity. Wow. Like if it was reversed, Bob would have to stay and deal with it. If right. Steve-O OD'd accidentally... Which never seems to be the case, but have, had he been the one, he, he Bob would, or probably his family would blame Bob in some way. You know, I mean, it would be a very different ending. But you know what else? You get the sense towards as the movie starts to, uh, you know, towards the end, the movie starts to go into this whole. You know, he goes into like um, uh, every day, the monotony of every day becomes hell for Steve yeah. in the sense of like all this is. We fight, we party. Blah 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 blah, and it's like, and and then it started to make me think of like how these guys think that they are in hell, and it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, and the goal is that they have to get out of hell. Yeah. And and Bob all of a sudden is like, hey, I like hell. Hell is nice. Yeah, well, see, but that's something. But that was sort of there. That but that comes my like personal prejudice against Utah, right? That I at the time, right. all I wanted to do was get out of Utah, right? In Utah, I, I and and so the idea that his best friend. Which I had a best friend also saying like, I, "This is my how I love it here." And I was like, yeah. "I thought we thought of like, what are you talking? How can you say you want to? This is this is what you, this is it. This is what you want. That that's also that's me talking. That's all my shit. And is like I, I'm like at that time, and even when I wrote it, I was still in my twenties. I still felt yeah that feeling of I'm so glad. I, and then when I went back and saw like, I'm like, I don't want to be here. You know, this is backwards. You know what's interesting? Uh, two things. One, um, you know, it's funny when I was when I when I hear when I heard Bob say that I'm from as I, we were just talking about at the beginning of this this episode that I'm you know that I live in Westchester. I'm from Westchester, and I was desperately trying to get out of Westchester, yeah. not because it was hell, but just because I wanted to be other places. And I did. I eventually I went to Chicago. I lived in Israel for a while. Yeah. I was I, you know I I went I went to a bunch of different places. But you know what's funny? I never saw myself settling here i eventually got to a place where i was like you know i like westchester i like where i'm from i like this place and when i saw bob saying that i totally i totally understood that feeling and and what's interesting to to uh, uh the, the other point i wanted to make was how you, what you were just talking about your prejudice against slc the one thing that is not very prevalent apart from just when you think about it as the setting yeah there's no there is no real there's no prejudice not 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 in like a pejorative way but in the way of like rebelling there's not like 
Mormonism and stuff isn't really mentioned. Outside. Oh, that's very, very, very on purpose. I did that very much. On, I avoided. I, I no, it was a good thing. I thought. I thought. I thought. I was amazed when I was, I was watching. Thinking, I, I think it Mormonism. Really, I I don't care. That's a religion. People believe in it. They're they're a non-violent right. religion. They're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. They're not a cult that's killing people. They're not right. I I I would be terrible of me to right. I don't want anyone bagging on any my religion or my friends' religions or and I would not do it in a movie. I am not going to say this religion is evil. I would not do that. So I avoided it. The only thing I said is that she made some passing comment about, which is a kid comment about how the cops are fascist and the fascists are Mormons. Yeah, right. from that and the beer. Those are the only two I things. But laws. But I mean, again, though, that's right. their religion. I, 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 but I was not going to sit there and say Mormons suck because I don't believe that. Yeah, and that the restraint, the restraint blew my mind because I'm thinking about like how this is a movie about like rebelling against the establishment, and it's like it takes, you know, it, you know what it's like. It's almost like the, it's almost like the equivalent of like, you know, being like Jerry Seinfeld in the sense, you know, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't curse in his yeah. comedy. Yeah. He like doesn't do that on purpose. He's like, I, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, and he exercises great restraint and it elevates the message. It elevates the art. Well, and I think, I just think, I think, I, I mean, I, always, I, I organically am pretty sensitive. To, I, I don't, I don't, I will criticize government because that's easy. That's, that's our right as Americans to criticize our government, but I'm not, I would not criticize somebody's religion like that. Right. Not, I mean, I could do it with you in a conversation about what I think about the inner right, right, of the right. organization or uh, even my church, you know, the Catholics or the, the pedophilia that went on and, and then protecting it. I could I could discuss that. That's a that's a reasonable discussion. Us Jews, we have the, the Hasidic community. Okay, that's okay. Our... <laughs> but I mean, what I would never do is make an entire movie to then yeah. turn around and just be anti-Semitic or to right, be right. I mean, I'm just or anti-Muslim Muslim or anti, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be anti-Mormon. I'm not going to do that. That would be horrible. I wouldn't even do that against Scientology. And I have serious misgivings about what Scientology is because I do question the L. Ron Hubbard's motives around that religion. But I wouldn't make a movie about it because I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm stepping on people. I'm yucking people's yum. I'm not doing it's, that. Yes, it's, and you know what, but the, but that's my point is that it's it's lowest common denominator and especially- Oh, that's about And also wrong. In my, I, that would be- yeah. I would be personally offended if I saw somebody do that. I yeah. think even True Love tried to avoid really hitting the Mormons too hard. I, they, they talked about the not true. Is it called True Love? No, Big Love. Uh, big Love. I, I, I think that like they talked about the inner workings of the of the uh, of Salt Lake City and and how the church in, invades politics and all that stuff. But I think that I feel like they avoided really. No, they were very. You know what it was? I, I watched that show from beginning to end, and they yes, they were not. They're it, it did not attack the Mormon religion. It was no. really about what it really was. away with thinking like, oh my God, Mormons are terrible. That's not, I didn't think. No, no. And you don't. When you watch, you know what that show does that's so brilliant? They really put, and that's why I was asking you the question that I was asking you, because the whole, the whole crux of the show is that polygamists, you know, on the down low in Mormon, Mormon country, you know, because yeah. obviously they're the compounds. And that's why I was asking. I was like, wait, so is this more is this more real than I thought it was? Because in the show, there's a very, very big divide between there is know, modern there Mormon is. and polygamist. Modern Mormons do not they they do not think that that is they're, they're, it's not a, it's not a facade. They do not right. condone polygamy. 
Right. So I, anyway, so like, yeah, definitely. I wasn't going to make a, I wasn't going to ruin my movie with that. That wasn't my, I wanted to talk about punks in a small town and like that. And and the reason why I picked, I just wanted to say, look, the scene is not owned by New York and and, and LA and London. All I wanted to say, like, look there, every city, every little town I'd ever been to had a little punk scene. They had the punk scenes. And I know that Salt Lake had a pretty big one, but I could have done it in Oklahoma. I could have done it in, 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 uh, you know, like um, Colorado, Denver. I could have done it in, in, in Tempe, JFA. I mean, like there's it makes, it, it makes it more interesting. And you want to know something uh, again? Uh, and this is not to, this is not to shoebox you. This is more like if let's say that someone didn't know who you were, or didn't know what SLC punk was and was like, Oh, what, why should I rent this movie? I would tell them that it's almost like a, it's almost like a nineties version of what like a Penelope Spears movie would be like with like, you know, suburbia. It's like the, it's like the nineties. It's like the next step up in the sense of, like, yeah. you know, like just sort of like uh, uh, focusing on, on, on a subculture in, yeah. in that sort of way. And, um, and, and you know, what's interesting too is the production design of this film and the way that you all the there's so much deep down to i never noticed that it says uh this is not um black flag song um revenge uh it's on my imagination i got a gun to my back i got a gun to my head right i never noticed that before i was like holy crap and i thought that was um I don't know. I just thought like there, there are a lot of really great details about all the tribes about like, like I love the character. I think it's Mike, Jason Siegel's character. Is that his name's Mike? Yeah. Right? Mike. Yeah. 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 Jason Siegel's great because there is that guy who like, he doesn't have to dress like he's like the most guy. punk guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, you know, I was thinking about his he's arc, like, punk. I mean, there's nothing, there's no way he's just drawn to it because he's, I knew those guys. They're like they are the most punk because they don't even like talk about it. They just right. they're there. They do the music. They, and if you ask them in school, like they're really good in school. Like, are you, are you a punk? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, like you know what's interesting about him? I'm like looking at his arc. Like, how does his arc finish out? He's like, he's like, I want to go to school for botany because yeah. I want to save the rainforest because yeah. you know. And and I'm thinking, God, this guy's the most punk rock of all because one, he's like. I need to go to school to better myself Two, I want to study plants and I don't give a flying fuck what what anybody thinks about it. And three, I have a cause. I want to save the rainforest. It's like, which is anti-establishment. So he wants to do that. Yeah. He wants to fight corporations. He's the real deal. Yeah. And he was the real deal all the way through. He was the only not poser. I mean, he was not a poser, man. Quietly the real deal. Like he doesn't have to say much. (laughs) I love that. Super strong. He's super, like he's super, and he, he, I, Mike was a guy that just definitely sees the world the right way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you had Adam Pascal. That was his first, I didn't realize that was his first movie. He, he had gotten, I guess he, he broke with rent, right? He originated the role. And yeah. then what, how, how did you meet up with, how did you link up with, he just came in for a casting or what? Yeah, they all, everyone came in for a casting. So, yeah. 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 I mean, the cast is, I mean, it's a crazy cast. Like everybody in that cast has like, you know, gone on or either whether they become a character actor or gone on to like, you know, do big things. Like everybody has, you know, you got James Duvall is in there. You got yep. like Devin Sawa, yep. you know, it's just a, a lot of like uh, 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 interesting sort of, uh, uh, characters and, and whatnot. And then what, so what made you decide that you wanted to continue the story? How did that, how did that come about? 
Well, I mean, I was always going to continue. I think right after I was, I was going to do an SLC mod at one point. <laughs> that was, that was been awesome. Yeah, I know. There's and just because I wanted to include like ska and mods, those guys. Did you write that script at all? Yeah. And then, so right after, but then I got caught up with other movies. And so, mm. um, but then I don't know, years, I, people have been, I don't know, we've been flirting with it. And then we sort of said like, well, I had a script for a big Steve-O story, but it was going to cost 5 million. And um, I just couldn't. Well, Steve-O, doesn't Steve-O appear in another movie as a guidance counselor? Well, that's his thing. Matthew didn't, he didn't ask me if he could do that. He just did it. Oh, he just did that. So yeah. that's. Right, because I was gonna say he was a lawyer. That is yeah, not yeah. legitimately any kind of. Huh. Devo is me. That's Mike. <laughs> that's the right. Matthew didn't ask me or didn't tell me he was gonna do that or that's what that he that was his, he did it. I don't know how ethical it is, but he did it. That's okay. Right. Whatever. Gotcha. But that's not. You have another. You had another Stevo script. I have a whole other script that Stevo that includes all the characters out of Utah in the world. Wow. What they did, how they did it. What year does it take place? 2005 wow so he, he's and he and it's like even tills mark i had i mean i had everyone but it tills tills fry was going to come back the mark character yeah yeah uh, oh he's so wait wait can we talk about him real quick this is this is another really great because this guy you know that's the thing about the characters you're writing you know they say write what you know and yeah. like i don't know the guys that you knew but i know everybody knows guys like this oh, that, that's a guy that was a guy i i oh the, really that is yeah, it in the original script um yeah, but I, there are you know people that are like so sketchy and so they go to such extremes and they just like like they just or they can just disappear around with the young kids and what, what the hell is he doing yeah yeah that's that guy yeah and he was the one who selling drugs and he's really this is a real guy thing is is that wow. he that he was um and he did die in a second uh plane crash the thing is is that oh for real yeah he really did it was a famous plane crash yeah it was it was the it was a famous flight out of fort worth that went down because of wind shear in eight, 1985 right, <laughs> right, right. he was in the fifth row they, they identified him because he had a diamond in his tooth this guy was and it was the second plane wow. crash in his life. So I, I don't know. And he had predicted that he should have died in that crash. I mean, all that stuff is real. I that didn't know that he fact, does. It was too real that I didn't want to say it actually happened. So I said it was right. rumored to happen. Wait a minute. So question. So that, and that's the other thing too. And again, like I said, the, the, the dialogue in this thing is so good. That monologue that he has when he's, because that's the thing. And that's what I mean by like archetypes and like everybody knows a guy like this. There's always that guy who's got a, who, who has an abundance of whatever and everybody hangs out with him and everybody, I mean, you even see it, you see it in movies all the time too, but, and like, you know, uh, 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 and he's paranoid and, and he goes into this monologue about that, that plane crash. That was yeah. really what happened to him as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to, to what, to the amount that I said that he wanted to kill his dad or kick his dad, I mean, I added that stuff to, to add bravado, but that was a story that that guy told me in Lake Powell about yeah. how he went down in a plane, his first plane crash. And then there's a, there's news reports about it. I could, I read it recently. Somebody sent me the article of that, of how he died into died in the second plane crash and how he inherited all this money from the first. So he was rich from the first crash. I mean, he wasn't even in the original script. I had to add a German yeah. actor. And they said, if I, if I put Till Schreiger in 10 minutes of the movie, they would give me the money to make the movie. 
So I said, oh, I'll write a script and I'll write this guy, Mark, and I'll make him Belgian and I'll put Till Schreier. Oh, he's so good. He 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 really does. And, you know, the thing about this movie that's so great, too, about SLC Punk is that the characters, they they come in, they have some of them have arcs, some of them don't. They come in, they 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 do their thing and then they exit. And that's what Mark does. He comes yeah. in. And he comes in and then he leaves early. You know, they're like, they're like, no, fuck you. Yeah. And it's like, that's the last we ever saw Mark. And makes I'm like, it very powerful because at a certain point, the movie is no longer about punks. It's just some kids with this dude. Right. I mean, like he's, they're hanging around his apartment. Then, then there's a whole thing where he's like talking about how he's crazy shit with his plane crash. And he's apparently Bob stole his drugs. And then they go steal a car and they're, they're hanging out with the car and they sink the car. I mean, like that's a whole other movie. Like that could be a short movie. It's all it's its own thing. You that's could it. I could see that as a ninety minute feature of like that's like a ninety minute feature. Of, like, what are we going to do tonight? How are we going to get loaded? Let's yeah. go. Let's go. We got to yeah, go hang out with Mark. It's like it's a whole yeah. thing. With that crazy night with the crazy Belgian guy or crazy German guy, whatever. Right. And like it's just because you could. I could definitely write a whole movie just with rambling on that. The, yeah, the, but even like for instance, the sister, the other sister, I forget, I forget her name, the, the carnivore girl who who goes off her meds, yeah. the other sister who who's taking pictures of the lightning crash, like, like she, she feels so lived in as a character, yeah. you know, like where does that come from, you know, like, well, that you, part you yeah. really take all these people and just insert them in, like you know, just from- yeah, I mean, because I am I I combine some character, I always embellish, but. I, with characters jamie is i mean that's that just like i just thought i think that i remember at a party once where somebody tried to take a picture of lightning and there was also sort of very absent-minded professor type person and that's why I, I don't know so and then then she was a friend of mine that i cast in that role and because i knew her wow. to be a good actor so it was supposed to be a guy but i made it a girl and she did a, i thought she did a good job yeah but i mean I also like the guy that's doing the satan worship thing is pretty funny too oh, he's great that's he was so great. Higher, you know, he was funny as hell. He was he was great, man. I mean, he really lived. That's what I'm saying. Like all these guys, even the brother, the brother who talks about order while Steve O talks about chaos. Like they just all Kevin yeah, they're all lived in. Your characters are lived in. And but Kevin Bresnahan is a very good actor, too. So I mean, yeah. I got lucky with a very good actor. Some of the, he is also a friend of mine. Some of these people yeah. I knew. It's the big leads I didn't know, but those other smaller parts. Or like the little sister Jen, she's a she's an Italian friend of mine. Like they were they were like the last minute cast that I would put in, because it was going to be Beck that was going to play Kevin's role. Huh. The downstairs, I was I, Beck was going to do it, and then, and then he couldn't do it in the end. So we wow. had to fly this guy in last minute. So so um, so so tell me quickly about so what makes you so you had another Stevo story that didn't materialize, and you decided okay, I'm going to do this. We were going to do it, but then I, there's no way I was going to raise the, that kind of money for it. But I was already locked in because I'd already had an Indiegogo campaign. So I wrote a, what I would call a spinoff about the Got people it. who just never left. Got and you. because and then it's a much smaller story. But it's not like, you know, it's 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 like a that movie's like appetizers. <laughs> you know, it's right, not right. it's not a yeah, meal. It's, a bit, it's like a little road movie, you know. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, don't, like, I don't. A lot of people don't like it, but I understand why. But at the same time, like if they just understood it as just like, look, it's just samplers. It's not. That's not a whole movie. Like it's not like um, SLC Punk, where I'm just giving you a whole scope of a, of everything. This is just a little taste of like just. Well, it's kind of nice to know that that Bob, you know, that Bob Bob's uh, legacy lives on through yeah. this kid and. Yeah. 
you know, he has, uh, and then, and then you see him in the, I like the way that it's framed with Bob, you know, Steve-O tells you a story and now Bob's telling you a story and Bob yeah. is dead. Just that, yeah. I think that works. Um, and then here's the thing. So as I was saying, so I, you know, I have it on, on DVD, but I was like, you know, if I'm going to watch it again, I, sh- I want to get it on Blu-ray. It's not really available. I ended up watching it on Pluto TV, uh, which you can legally do. It's a, uh, ad supported, uh, uh, streaming service. Yeah. TV, that's where you can see if you should be as well. I think, one of the, yeah, yeah, want to go watch SLC Punk the right way. You can do that if you don't want to buy it on DVD. But when, James, when, how, who, what, when, where, why are we going to get? Well, we, uh, I've been talking to Sony, the rights revert back to me. They better do it quick because in a couple, in like a year or two, they're back, they're mine, and I can do whatever I can sell it again. Nice. They don't want to do that, so they're gonna have to re- renew them. And when they renew them, I'm going to say like, but we've already discussed earlier. We're already talking about 4K transferring, and then once we start talking about that, you're talking about Blu-ray and 4K and right all that stuff. So we started talking. We've already been talking about it. Sony, so it's I mean, on the cusp. It's 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 down the pipeline, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, like we're they, like I think COVID just delayed all that because we were discussing it actively last year. Like we were we were talking about okay, so how do we do the transfer? Will you will you oversee the transfer in New York? The Sony Picture Classics is here in New York. I I know them well. They're good people. We just you know I mean like they're like they're very slow and Sony's very slow in their Criterion stuff and their Blu-ray stuff. For some reason like Sony Picture Classics, and even though their movies are really great, and then also they pull all their stuff off of Netflix for Crackle. And oh. Sony thing. So, and they stopped printing DVDs. You know, I mean, it's been kind of a mess. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I was watching it on Pluto. On Pluto, it's definitely not an HD. It's like you no, it never was on HD. It's, it's not. It, we never did an HD transfer. Uh, it's such a bummer, man. I, I'm like, I mean, uh, going to though, and and I already said like, if if you guys aren't going to do it, I will just spend the three grand. And I will do the negative. I'll take the negative and I will transfer it to 4K and make a 4K file. And I will start printing up Blu-rays and I'll start handing them out to my fans. And then you guys, what are you going to yeah, do? Fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you want to know something? Two things, James. One, first of all, I really hope, I know you said you you were very, uh, you, as much like the Minutemen documentary, you jam Econo when it came to SLC Punk and everything was very efficient in terms of like, uh, you know, shooting and whatnot, but I do hope that there are uh, some scraps on the floor, some some never before seen contents that you can uh, load up on this disc. That's the stuff I really live for. There is, there should, there are a couple of scenes that I, I snip. I just don't know if I can find them, but we'll yeah, see. That's always the problem. It's the elements go missing or they're hard to come. Yeah, I mean, by. I, not, now that I were shoot digitally, I store all my stuff, so I have everything. But like with when yeah. it was negatives, the negatives. Was, kept in a vault and now i don't know where the negative is from all the outtakes i, I know yeah. where the internegative is for the movie but because like there's one scene where they're up in a canyon and they're drinking at a, at a, at a kegger in, in the winter at a canyon and, the, and then the they're they're just sort of it's a, it's a weird night and they're headed out and they're following some kids out of the canyon and they're just talking and being goofy and um the the lights ahead of them, I can see the, the lights that they're following some kids out. So they, they see their lights and they're in their van and the lights uh-huh. just disappear and they're like, holy shit. So they, they stop and they see that the tracks in the snow go right over a cliff. Right. And so they're standing, looking down over the cliff into like a cloud, into clouds. And, you know, it's sort of like, they're like, do you think they 
they, they're, you think they're dead? And then right when he says that, an explosion comes up through the cloud, and the clouds light up, and he's and they, they get knocked on their ass, and like, yeah, they're dead. So there's that. There was that scene. Why did you? So why did you? What made you cut that in the first place? Well, I mean, it was it was an intercut. It was a digression in the middle of the party at Kevin's at at that house where everyone was like the hippie house, and um, it's right before she takes the picture of the lightning. They jump out and they do that, and it just wasn't working. Oh. And so I was like, yeah, that's it's not working. In fact, that whole scene was getting a little long. So. Um, and jumping out in that digression, then and then he came coming back to it, and then he beats her up. It just didn't flow. It didn't. It didn't work. Did you? Um, and then the other thing too, I distinctly remember. I don't know if it was on a D, the DVD. There was a comic book. Yeah, I still. There's a comic book. Did you? Was that on the DVD? Where did I see the comic? It's book? on the DVD, and it was on the DVD. And and it's also you can, I mean, it. It's a we we made it afterward as a um, promo, so like to hand out at Sundance. Gotcha. So there's copies of it around too. Yeah, there was something about a prop airplane. I remember that, right? No, not a prop. Yeah, yeah. Turbo. My my dad. My dad is a pilot. So this, some of the stories just straight up, like, yeah, gotcha. Eddie and Steve are in a plane, and he um, he doesn't close. I don't close the door all the way. Steve, it was a real story. So I didn't close the door all the way. Right, right, right. And and we're flying and we're stoned. My dad's not. Yeah. We are. And yeah. all of a sudden, like. And my dad was like, make sure you close that door. That's at one job. So we're halfway to Idaho, going to Idaho. And um, Eddie's in the back. And we're all of a sudden the, the, the door flips open and I'm getting sucked out. And my dad's like, like that. And I can see the muscles in his arms, like, you know, like, yeah. And he's like pulling me back in. And I just thought I was going to die. I hate flying anyway. And he's like, shut the door, you know, like. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, I'm just frozen. And he's like, he, he's got to come down for a landing because it's too fast to close it because of the wind. So yeah. he has to, so he's to touch down, but the runway isn't long enough. So he just has to touch down and get slow enough so that we can close it and then take off again so we don't hit the mountain. So, wow. so we touch down and he's like, close it, close it. And he's like, close the fucking door. And so my dad reaches over, he closes the door, slams it shut, and then like, guns it and we took off and then we're like yeah he's like just white and i'm like white and my dad says you know what there's a storm ahead let's go back and we'll drive to idaho so we ended up driving to idaho so that you was know, that yeah i gotta tell you that you're making me think of uh uh immediately thinking of christopher mcdonald when you tell that story for whatever reason and i <laughs> tell you that was such good casting to yeah, bring they look he was just great, man. Their relationship was great. It was just, uh, it, it was just, it was well done, man. The the movie is the movie is phenomenal, and you could really watch it. You could watch that film over and over again, and it just, I don't think it gets. Uh, it's one of those movies. There's a few movies that I can rewatch. You know, I can rewatch Return of the Living Dead over and over again. I can watch Goodfellas. It's like what? It's a movie where once you start it, you got to finish it. Yeah, well, I also hope that I made it in a way that was fast enough that you know, like you could watch it again and be like, you know, it, it's fast enough, and a lot of enough happens. Yeah, it flows, man. In that small amount of time that you you can say like, well, this is not going to take a long time to watch it. Like, it's not going to feel like forever because there's a lot of information packed into that small amount of time. So, like, it's it's 90 minutes, but like, there's an awful lot of divergent digressions and things to get into and stuff that you could maybe watch it more than once. And there's also an open, it's not a, it's not like a thriller where, okay, well, I know that, you know, I know that this guy's the killer 
you know, yeah. like, you know, you can rediscover this. There's no surprises. I mean, I guess the, like there might be surprising things that happen, but for the most part, it's no, there's no like, I mean, like if I tell you that Bob dies in the end, it's not a spoiler. No, it's not. And you want to know what's interesting again, like, obviously I, I was talking about what the crux this time as an audience member, my interpretation of what I was seeing again, obviously you're the writer, you created this stuff, whatever you wrote and, and had an intention for is still there, but you know um, you know, and I said it was, Oh, you know, the uh, 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 trying to uh, not, not give into what your nature is. And obviously the t before that it's, or another layer is, is Bob dying and the symbolism of punk dying. And then he becomes the, the, the lawyer, but, um, the other thing besides those things, the movie doesn't, it doesn't work in like a traditional narrative sense, kind of like Goodfellas. Like if you really think about it, they're very similar in the way that they're both like these, it, it's like, it's showing you a slice of life yeah. in culture where it, you, you, you never, it's not a beginning and an end and ending in the sense it's more like it starts here. And this is where we're leaving off with them. And in your case, in SLC punk's case, it actually we go back to the beginning in the basement yeah when bob is like listen to this you know and yeah, right. uh, the movie is a series of anecdotal moments um yeah. and sort of episodic or segments but it works so well there's, there's no there's no overriding plot like is in right. he's gonna he wants to go to harvard and he needs to to convince these per people to get there Right, but it's such a loose garment, and it doesn't feel – it's not constricting. And I think the movie wouldn't work the same way if it was anything more solid than that. That's what makes it work. It's like we, we get these casual musings about it every once in a while. You know, his dad's like, hey, I signed you up for Harvard. Yeah. You know, like, like that sort of thing. Uh, and we sort of hear – we hear his internal monologue of how he is I – mean, he is changing. It's not that he's not changing. As a matter of fact, that's part of the problem. You know, Bob doesn't – change yeah well, he does change. he changes because he falls in love no it's wrong he but he, he does um steve-o is recognizing that if he doesn't change he's it's gonna it's he's gonna die or, or there's gonna be some sort of like uh living death in the sense of like i'm doing the same thing every he, single day he, realizes he's, he won't grow if he doesn't grow yeah that's the word thank you that's not yeah. that's the right way to put it He's not going to grow. And even Bob, Bob kind of, Bob does grow. Bob grows. Yeah, and I think that pisses Steve off that he, Bob grew before him, right? I mean, right, like, right. Bob's all of a sudden, so I'm in love, you know? I'm not even a punk anymore. I'm not hardcore. Whatever the fuck he's saying, whatever nonsense he's saying. And the worst thing you can call someone being a punk, the worst thing you could call him is a poser. That's like yeah, the greatest, insult, greatest insult, you know? Um, before we wrap up here, I just want to ask you, so – you're what is bit you know being a filmmaker and you know d uh, uh, being involved with uh projects and stuff what has it been like what has the covid situation been like for you man has it just been like crazy or is it just like what's what's the deal well and as you know in new york we didn't we're still it's still not it's still like right i know no i know i'm just operating out here like you know i mean like yeah. we went out to lunch the other day and it's like you know outside with all these protocols it's like you know it's like like we're living in that the, the movie brazil right like they're, they're like it's not normal it, it hasn't been normal since uh, february 
So as far as that, has that delayed, like, has that, um, have you been trudging in the I lost, I I was going to make, I lost my money for a movie I was going to make. Oh. uh, The guys are dead. So there's no financing for it. But then on the other hand, everybody's in the same position because no productions can really go unless, I mean, you can't make an independent movie. To follow the COVID guidelines, you have to sort of go into a bubble like the, like the, 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 the basketball players. Right. You, know, you take the whole crew, you isolate, and then you start shooting. And then you come out of it. You imagine the money it costs to put a whole crew. It inflates budgets. The all everybody's. Oh, oh my God. It would cost it costs a million dollars on top of everything. And yeah. our budgets aren't even a million dollars. So like you know, to, to, to take those people away from their families for four weeks would be like six, eight to eight weeks. Put them in a place. They're not allowed to leave. It's like you become a prisoner for that. Like you can't do it, and and otherwise you can't get a bond. You can't get insured, so you can't make a movie. So what it's not movie. What is this movie? I'm sorry. What was this movie called? And what is it about? Synopsis logline. Which one? The the one that you lost funding for that you were about to. Oh, it's a movie called Catabox. It was just a, a paranoid story about. Well, there was gonna there were three, but one of them was uh, about a guy who had fallen with in love with this woman. Yeah. It's a New York story, and he he um he moves in with her, and then she starts restricting his movement to, to the point where he becomes suspicious that she and her brothers are trying to um, groom him for human sacrifice. So he, it's this sort of paranoid uh, thriller, okay. um, and and really hard. What's that? I said I'm sold. That sounds like that that sounds good to me, man. That sounds yeah. like a cross. Uh, yeah, I, I can think of a a, a lot of uh, movies well, that like a good way like that i would want to watch that you know? yeah and then the, and the one i was doing called bed bug which was about this this person who lives in who's an illustrator this woman is a young woman who's who's a, a comic book like a graphic novelist or she just does the illustrations and she she um her next door you've seen the exorcist right yeah okay well that's all happening next door to uh-huh. her. so and so she's sort of like interacting and trying to figure out she's like What's going on next door? She's hearing it all happen. She's, she's oh like, I love shit like that. You know, I, you know and it's literally like shit like that. So like it's not about her, but it's about like her observing this shit. That's yeah. Right and like even like it's an actress that lives there with her kid who's possessed right. by a devil. But she's she's the the at one point the priest comes over to get sugar. And, you know, knocking the door, he's like, you're a priest, you want sugar? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay. So she lets him in and asks the priest what's going on over there. He's like, oh, don't worry about it, and says some weird stuff. And what leave. made you? What made you? Um, what made you uh, decide to tackle something like that? Like, how how did you how do you come about the idea? Were you like watching The Exorcist and, and just like, what is going on next door while all the shit? I just occurred to me that that would be funny if that happened to me next door. Like, wh- how would yeah. I? And also because the character thinks that maybe they did something to cause, because somebody asked me once, well, the exorcist, how, why do they, why does the devil choose that kid? So I, this character, this character yeah. is drawing pictures of demons and then the demon comes at her in the night and then they hear the kid cough to the wall and then the demon heads toward that. And then she realizes that maybe she brought that demon in. And then, and so that, so she fucking it caused all this problem. And then later on, like the, the actress mother is getting divorced and she and she's also upset about her kids. So she comes over and starts hitting on this girl. She's like this 40-something cougar actress who's doing a play on Broadway called um I don't know, one of those movies from one of those plays that are like Nobody Loves an Albatross, that's from Rosemary's yeah. Baby. I don't know, it's a very referential movie. 
Um, but I've done these kinds of apartment movies. I did a bunch in LA when I first started making movies um, where one was in Heather Graham, one was Sebastian Gutierrez, where it's basically these apartment paranoid movies where like they're horror comedies and it's all about going insane um, or it might be real. And it involves yeah. you know, and invariably with sa- sacrifice or Satan or some kind of crazy shit. Mm. Um, may or may not be happening. And now I thought like, well, I want to do a, a New York. I really wanted to, I went in last year. I was saying, I want to do this in New York. I want to like, Tell my apartment, yeah. make an apartment trilogy here in New York and make them physically here in New York and bring some shit back to the city because it's so gorgeous here. And yeah. then, boom, pandemic, which is hysterical because these movies are already like isolated inside your apartment type. Movie. Right. But so I ended up making a short via Zoom um, where I like there, you know, my actors also just, were just to scratch the itch or whatever. Yeah, and they 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 have a cam. They're a DP. They're a DP in town. They can do all that stuff. So I could just mm-hmm. direct them over Zoom while they set up the camera and stuff. And then they 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 sent me this was in the height of the pan, of, of quarantining. They sent me the the dailies, and then I, I cut it together and I made a short, which I haven't released yet. But you know, like that that's what I've been able to do so far. And that's then get great. a bunch of people to read another script I wrote, uh, which is a bigger movie. That's also part of that trilogy called Arthur Kill Road. And um, we'll see if that gets financed. It looks like there's been people talking about it. It's a $5 million movie. That'd be fun to do. But be, I couldn't, I can't do anything until next year. I got to tell you, I, so I shot my, I made, I made one feature and I'm working on my second feature and I make micro budget stuff, very small micro budget stuff. I shot 20% of my movie on March 8th. The oh, first wow. Of the movie. And then March 12th, lockdown. And I'm just like, and then, my lead actress gets pregnant, which again, many mazel tovs to her. God bless her. But like, I just don't, the only thing I could think of is like, A, I'm never going to give up. And B, I got to figure out how to take the footage because the story I wanted to tell is dead. But how can I rewrite the story around the footage that I have shot already and still complete the film? And so that's like the challenge now. And it's because of this this COVID thing. And, you know, again, I'm fortunate in the sense that I am just making micro budget stuff and, you know, don't have to worry about losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But at the same time, it's like micro budget stuff is just as effective in the sense that if you want to be, do things right and ethically and safe and everything, like you need, as you said, you need money in order to do everything by the book. And so if you're making, you know, it's just like what you said about Dogma 95. It's like, it's like if you want to try and make money where you a own your your work and b are like you know um, uh, possibly turning a profit if you're lucky enough to be able to do yeah. so, then shoot a movie for as little as humanly possible. Yeah, but be normal though. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you can't even do it because if you, you can't be, there's no way to be safe. Okay, but I had this idea that what you could do is you could get a if you if you could find a crew yeah. that are young that know yeah. what but that, that know what they're doing and, 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 and a bunch of gear and you yeah. can put them all in a loft or something that they would quarantine them together. Yeah. You, you know, and it, that could be like I a production have gear. I have a black magic camera, I have all the sound gear. I mean, that's a thing. I you know, that's that's part of the I mean th- th- that's not you know it's funny. The, the issue really is working with actors and again, like wanting to make sure the actors are comfortable and feel safe. Yeah. And right now it's just super, 
it, it's super fucking hard. I think um, I feel like the, the ones that are getting through the cracks right now are the people, you know, Netflix, you know, green lighting, you know, this series can shoot this season and blah, 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 you know, uh, because they have so much infrastructure and they have the ability to be. Well, the really big productions like Brad Pitt right now, he's yeah. quarantined on the Sony lot and they're no one's leaving that wow. set until they're done. Wow. They're they're doing the NBA thing like they're you know like that that's the only otherwise like I know a bunch of shows that shut down. Yeah, I think it's Shark Tank also man. quarantined in Arizona. They said that's how they're shooting. Like they they wouldn't let anybody in or out. They, but like people on the set are like it's this is like prison. Yeah, dude, Sonic man, Sonic came. Th- Sonic is the big winner of 2020. They like they're the they're, they're the highest grossing movie that 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 came out right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, it's funny. I went to the Alamo draft house in Yonkers. I was like, I'm going to go, I have the season pass. So I'm like, I'm going to go see the hunt, which oh, had been. Shelved. Yeah. Yeah. The hunt. They, they, they didn't want to release it at first. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I, you know, they released it and I was like, I'm going to go see this real quick. So I wore a mask and everything. And I went and the theater was dead and, you know, they had sent us, this was, this was like March. This was like March 10th. Oh, so I had finished shooting. I went to go see this movie and I was supposed to fly to Florida to, shoot a commercial and uh that was like that was that would have been march 12th it was like that was it that was done and it's just like and you know what really kills me too is the uh i don't know live music it's it's all fucked dude i don't know what's gonna happen animation it's crazy do it right at home yeah well listen this was really really fun this was a treat for me because you know i like i said i've been watching this movie forever it was so nice to like pick your brain and like hear thing hear your two cents on everything and um, I, I just I really appreciate your time. And I wish you the best of luck. I really hope that thank you're you. able to move forward with all your productions. And um, thank you so much for being on Pizza Punk. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, good luck with your work, too. I'm sure we there'll, there'll be a way to shoot. We yeah. just have to figure it all out. But you know what? No matter what, never give up. No, no, don't give up. <laughs> Find a way. <laughs> It's over the way. All right.